I am so thankful that you're here and spending this time with me. I have a very special guest today. I am doing the second in the series of where our homeschooled kids are now because, you know, as you all know, our oldest is 28, youngest is 14. And today we're going to be talking with our second daughter. And uh, I will introduce her here in just a minute. But I just wanted to thank you all for being here. Thank you for leaving reviews and sharing this podcast with your friends. It's really growing. And um, what that really means is that more moms are being encouraged than ever before. And that is the whole heart behind what I'm doing here. Um, I wanted to let you all know if you're a new listener and haven't read my book, The Unhurried Homeschooler, I would encourage you to check it out. It is a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling. It's available on Amazon. Um, I think you'll be totally encouraged by it. And also, I wrote a devotional for moms, and I don't know if some of you already knew that or not, but I thought I'd share it. It's called Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart. It's 31 days in God's Word, and it's really a fun devotional because it's it's really geared towards homeschooling moms, and each devotional doesn't just focus on a verse, but a passage, and so we kind of are able to dig in a little bit, and yet it's in a time frame that is hopefully doable for busy moms like you. So go check that out on Amazon as well. If you are in Florida and attend the FPEA, that is May 23rd to the 25th in Orlando, and I'm going to be there doing five workshops. I'm super excited to be there and share my heart with you. So if you're going to be in the area, I would love to hug your neck and meet you and have a chance to chat with you for a bit. I'm also speaking at uh, NCHE in Winston-Salem, May 31st and June 1st. Love to see you there as well. So, I'm going to introduce our daughter, Jenna. Thank you, Jenna, for being here today. Thanks for having me. Always fun. (laughs) Yes, we always have a blast. It's awesome. (laughs) We have the best conversations. But uh, you are 26. I got to make sure you got your age right. You're 26, right? (laughs) Yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) And you've been married for five years, correct? Six years. Has it been six? It has been six. That's right. Wow. In March. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. So six years. You've been. Uh, you're married to Sam, and you have a daughter, Abby, who is four, four. years, and Jazer is two months old. Correct. Yes. He he's he'll be nine weeks on Friday. Okay. Yes. And this little ten weeks. He managed to gain four pounds in five weeks. The first. Life and I was very impressed. Jenna has this uncanny way or knack of just sticking the pounds on her kids. (laughs) I don't know how you do it. She's like a whole whopping ninety-five pounds, sopping wet, and she she nurses these kids and they just grow like the dicks. And it's hilarious to watch, but it's so fun because I love the squishy. They're just she has the squishiest babies. I love it. (laughs) <laughs> so, Jenna, um, I wanted to just uh, bring you into this conversation because, you know, we I talked with Brittany last time, and mm-hmm. those of you who have listened before to me and kind of know my kids a little bit, you know that Brittany's kind of, uh, she tends to be a little more passive, maybe a little more introverted, um, 
it, but Jenna was really pretty opposite of that as far as just letting us know how she felt about things with uh, without a problem. And, <laughs> <laughs> and oh, she was the sweetest baby. So just happy all the time. And um, just uh, she was awesome and tiny, just a tiny little thing. But um, you're very different than your sister. And this is one of those situations where I'm sure, moms, you can relate where you think, how can two children be so different who have the same parents? And <laughs> and somehow God does that, right? Mm-hmm. And so I want to talk with you a bit. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about your homeschooling experience. So we're going to start at the very beginning. And I want to find out, um, ask you this question, what your earliest memories are as a child? Like, how how young do you have uh, memories as a child? Um my earliest memory that I can that I can think is you informing me that tomorrow was my fourth birthday. Okay. Wow. So yeah. Awesome. And so okay, so right about four years old. So mm-hmm. question: What are your earliest homeschooling memories? Do you do you know like do you remember when you started homeschooling, or did you feel like it wasn't? really official or what are your, what are your memories of that? I remember starting to get the books out when I was about five, I started to learn how to read and I flew through my first math book in like two weeks or something. (laughs) Um, And I don't even like math, but uh, that just goes to show you how easy it is at first. Um, Cause I'm like doing four or five pages a day or something. You're like, okay, stop. Um, Because it was fun. It was really fun at first. I, I I don't remember. I don't remember feeling like it was official until right. I like started to learn how to read. Okay. Um, and I remember really, really wanting to learn how to read because it just felt like everybody else knew this secret code that I couldn't crack. Right. Right. <laughs> you were always one who loved codes, and I remember you used to um, do these dictionary letters. Gosh. This is hilarious. Okay, so we had some friends who had uh, boys that were about your age. It was, it was two big families getting together. You can all picture what that looks like. But our girls were about their boys' ages. And oh, no, pers- no. We we were – I was five years younger than their oh, oldest. Okay. And I think three well, years younger than their Well, you guys to drive each other crazy. I know yes. that. And they so, were at that age. Right. So, the, so we, they had this thing going on all the time. And so um, – just kind of this going back and forth. And uh, Jenna started to write these dictionary letters just to drive them crazy using all kinds of words from the dictionary. What made you decide to do that? Um, I just wanted to feel smarter than they were. (laughs) (laughs) You you figured you'd make up for those five years by using some big words, right? Yes. And I, I, still do. <laughs> I love it. And the thing that was interesting about that is what came out of that was she has this huge vocabulary. She's constantly over the years has used words that I'm like, I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? How did you, how do you know that word? Oh, that's, you know, back when I was reading the dictionary, you know, and that's what she would do. She would like read the dictionary. And the funny thing is that the other kids uh, in the fa- in our family would sort of, I remember them sitting around you on the couch while you were doing this and just sort of learning these words along with you. And, and so this is the great thing about having, you know, a big family is there's a lot of learning that sort of happens by osmosis. Uh-huh. Um, just, just oh, and we found out the best insults are under the letter I. <laughs> so in case 
you want to know. <laughs> yes, that is the best one. <laughs> yes, you're welcome. That is that is free information that you're getting today for your use. <laughs> yes. So it was really fun to see that. And I saw this happen many times over the years where the, the younger kids would be just sort of absorbing what the older kids were learning. And they would just zip along even quicker than the younger ones because of that. And it was just really fascinating to watch. And so I remember you not really... I feel like you didn't really struggle that much with schoolwork. Like it, it wasn't terribly hard for you. What, what do you remember, especially in those early years? Do you remember it feeling pretty unhurried? And do you remember um, it being, you know, you liking it, it being helpful? Um, I remember loving some of it and some of it coming really easy, just the way schoolwork does. Um, and then some of it being really frustrating. Learning to read was frustrating, but it, it's not like, it's not bad to be frustrated sometimes. You right. know, it's, it's not bad to have to work a little bit at something. And right. um, I remember being frustrated sometimes, but too determined to give up, you know. Right, right. Um, so I, I do remember reading was, was a little bit of a frustration, and, but I got over it. And then once I got over that, it was, you know, smooth sailing from there. And I just, I started to really love reading and love writing and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we don't necessarily equate unhurried with nothing ever being hard. You know, there's, yeah. there's a difference there. I think that's what you're trying to differentiate. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm hearing to say is um, we don't quit. And just because it's hard, it's just, I think it's really just kind of having that feel for knowing when it's just time to be done, you know, but mm-hmm. it's certainly facing some obstacles and overcoming them is a huge part of, you know, it's a huge part of life and it's a huge mm-hmm. part of, of learning. And yeah. kids feel they grow in confidence when they overcome obstacles. That's um, right. Do you remember feeling like you were, um, like it was a fairly unhurried lifestyle at that point? Your playtime, did you feel like you had lots of playtime? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I felt like that was what most of our day consisted of was playtime. And we do a few chores in the morning. And, you know, there's always that, that time in the morning that was devoted to uh, devotions and then cleaning up after breakfast or, like, making breakfast and doing the devotions and cleaning up after breakfast. And then, right. you know, we, we had a routine. And there was a certain time that we had to dedicate to certain tasks but then we were free to pretty much you know go outside and play if the weather was nice or sometimes if it wasn't Um, yes (laughs) well and too I think I just remember a lot of blanket forts yes lots of blanket forts and oh gosh Playmobil, loved Playmobil, and Legos, Mm. and I felt like we just kind of like got to exist the rest of the day and you know but having that time that we had to dedicate to chores and all of that stuff was really good because it taught us to value our freedom, right. our free time. Right, right, right. Yeah, I remember uh, our other son, Luke, who's 20, he's told me before, the whole the mo- whole motivation of getting the basics done every morning when it came to schoolwork was that they, you, you knew that the free time was going to yeah. come in the afternoon and it was it was crazy the amount of creativity that happened during that time over all of those years and um, I was always just amazed at 
what you guys would create or come up with or play or imagine or and it it was just always something new and different and I loved and I, watching that. I remember I, I still don't know how you let us you let us engage in risky play sometimes. <laughs> I don't know if you always knew that that's what we were doing. Sometimes like, I did. Sometimes I, I did. I'm like, ooh, oh, I don't know if I could let my kids do that. But I only have two, and I'm kind of slowly uncurling my clenched hand here as <laughs> I'm trying to keep them safe. But I do I, remember doing things like strapping ourselves into the umbrella stroller and riding down a hill. Yes. Yes, I, I remember that, too. And that was um, – I did know that was going on, just FYI. <laughs> Oh, okay, good. Because the kitchen window was right there, oh, and I was yeah. I was laughing hysterically because here's what it looked like, guys. It's an umbrella stroller with kids sitting in it. Now, now mind you, they did put on a helmet. We were so, bike helmets. Yes. So there was a there was some safety involved there. So I figured with the and it was a ditch, so it wasn't like this big long hill. It was a it was a ditch, and so you know I knew they could only go about maybe five or six feet, and then it would end. You know, they would just stop and. If they fell, it wasn't going to hurt too badly. Yeah, I did often sit back and look and, and, you know, instead of just jumping in right away, I would often analyze the situation. Like, what could the worst damage possible, what is the potential damage here? You know, is this an emergency room trip or, you know, I would analyze it and if it wasn't too horrible or permanent, I would let it go, you know. Um, but then there were also things that, you know, the boys every now and then will be sitting around talking and they will tell me a story. And I'm just like, are you serious? <laughs> I please stop talking. I, I don't want to hear this. <laughs> but I can say that sometimes I was in the house and I knew they were out there and they were playing and they were just having a great time. I also knew there was danger probably involved. And so I would, you know, pray and ask the Lord should I go out there? Should I yell for them and find out what's going on? Or should I just, you know, and and I would just sort of like get this idea that either I needed to just pray and let it go, pray for their safety and let them go. Or I should, yes, I should definitely go check on them, you know? (laughs) Uh, But yeah, there was, there was a fair amount of dangerous play. I think some of that had to do with all the boys, you know, having five boys, Mm -hmm. you feel like life might've been a little more dangerous because of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. and I can always choose what I engaged in. <laughs> That's true. I know. I, I can see you standing there going, uh-uh, this is <laughs> I'm not doing this. <laughs> this is dumb, you guys. <laughs> People can kill yourself if you want to. <laughs> okay. Survival of the smartest. That's right. So um, let's move on into the elementary years. So what did school feel like to you during this time? So I'm talking about, you know, third you know, fourth, fifth, sixth grades in there. Do you, do you have, rec- can you recall much of what, what happened during those years? It was a lot like the earlier years, but just with a little bit more, a few more subjects added to our morning, um, our morning school, I guess. Uh, you know, you'd start adding things like penmanship because I could read now and, you know, it was time to work on my handwriting and, um, which poetry. Is I learned a lot okay. about poetry. <laughs> He's <laughs> Wait, got great hands. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, okay. My husband thinks that my that cursive is pointless. So when I write in cursive, he has like trouble reading it. <laughs> so there is that. But yeah, it's kind of a thing, you know. People have the very just like everything. Everyone's got an opinion about everything. But oh, yeah. I honestly, you know, we didn't have those kinds of 
debates going on at that point, and I learned cursive. And then there was a point at which, you know, during our in the, in the midst of our homeschooling years, that people were talking about, oh, I just don't think there's a point in teaching cursive. And so I would have to take that thought and think, okay, all I'm teach I'm planning to and am teaching all of our kids cursive. Do I want to keep doing that? You know, it's those things where you mm-hmm. stop and question you know, am I doing the right thing? And and typically what I would do is just pray about it. Just like, Lord, should I keep doing this? And, and ask my husband, ask, you know, dad. And, and he was like, yeah, I think you should. And I felt like we should. So we just did. And now there's research showing that there's a lot of really great brain connections that happen yeah. when kids learn to write in cursive. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's that whole thing of taking the time and stopping and asking the Lord, what do you want here in this situation? Um, mm-hmm. So um, I know that during the mainly in the elementary years, we let you guys pursue science and history sort of self-directed. And I remember history was something you loved. Tell me a little bit about how that started and kind of what you did with that during those years. Oh, goodness. I I loved watching the document and I'm still a sponge for like Mm -hmm. everything archaeology related and all of that stuff. I, for a long time as a kid, I kind of wanted to be an archaeologist in the back of my mind, but being a mom was something I wanted more. So, mm-hmm. um, but I honestly, it was just kind of, like you said, self-directed. I got interested in archaeology. And so next time we went to the library, I would just find anything I could about archaeology. I'd find wow. documentaries. I'd find um, books, I'd find picture books, you know, uh, we didn't have a whole lot of internet, you know, at that time, right, it was, right. it was the 90s. Um, <laughs> the internet wasn't exactly like prevalent in our homes as a as a research tool or anything like that. So it was a lot of just going to the library and finding books and um, asking questions. And, you know, when we could research on the internet, we do that, you know, it was just, right. um, I feel like it added fuel to the fire that I had to go and find my own, you know, resources right. to learn more about that stuff. Right, right. And I, you know, I can attest that Jenna knows a ton about history. She has brought up conversations that I'm like, <laughs> okay, here's true, true, true story, guys. M- more than once, countless times, she said something and I've been like, where did you learn that? <laughs> Because of the self-directed learning, you know, when kids are interested in what it is that they're pursuing, they absorb like crazy. And so she's just sort of was and is this sponge for information and, and can have the most fascinating conversations. And I remember one time you were sitting in the living room talking with the boys, I believe, you were having a discussion about whether or not life could exist on Mars and how. And so you guys got into the the nitty gritty of what it would take to survive on Mars. And you guys are like about maybe, you know, five minutes into this conversation. And I, they were way over my head. And I was like, (laughs) I'm going to go do something else. (laughs) And they're all, they were all like mocking me. Yeah, great job, homeschool mom. Well, it is a great job because you just, stuff, you know? Right. And you know, the the truth is I knew, I don't know. There's so much I don't know. And yet the, you know, these kids, 
I guess that's my been my takeaway all along the way is kids are so amazing at learning. And it really just comes down to facilitating it. Like, you know, when they show an interest, you know, yes, I need to take her in the car and go to the library. I need to participate in this process, but not as much as, you know, most people would think because these kids are just so incredibly intuitive when it comes to learning. They are so much better at knowing how they learn. And I think when you've had the time, when the kids have had the time to sort of um, explore different ways of learning, they automatically, naturally hone in on their specific way to do that. I just feel like it's a really personal thing. And it, you know, I, I would wear myself out trying to figure it out for each kid. And yet when I backed off and let you guys pursue that, it just meant I had to be patient and I had to be unhurried and I needed to allow you guys a lot of space and just get out of the way and only step in when you needed me for certain things. Um, it was amazing what you guys learned and what you just did on your own. So um, I think that would be my encouragement to moms um, to point out in this story and just kind of, uh, you know, what I've seen over the years. And, and I think your, your story kind of really testifies to that. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to ask you, do you remember hating anything? Oh goodness. Well, I think we've been over and over. I hated sex and math. Yep. <laughs> that, I hated, I knew you were going to answer that way. <laughs> yeah. I hated learning things that had no purpose in how I would function as an adult. Um, my life plan was not to be a rocket scientist. I wanted to manage a household and I wanted to be a wife and a mother. And so when it came down to it, learning things like calculus fell pretty far back in my list of priorities compared right. to learning how to pay my taxes, calculate income tax, um, budget, you know, grocery shop, things like that, you know. Mm. So I, I do remember... I just remember hating things that I felt weren't relevant to me. I would need someone to explain how is this relevant in my life? How am I going to use this as a person? Otherwise, it just felt like a waste of time to me. And I was getting frustrated. Yeah. And Saxon math is really set up for more math-minded people. Yeah. Um, and I think also for kind of an engineer type of mind, if, if you've got a kid who is going to pursue anything that's um, – uh, heavy in math. Saxon math is an amazing preparation for that. And some of our boys have done it uh, and done it well. A uh, couple of them, you know, I think that's because their brains work that way for one thing. And then I think the other thing is uh, one of them had a really good teacher that I think mm -hmm. really helped him too. But again, yes, I mean, you look at this, this, this algebra and you're thinking, what does this have to do with life, you know? And mm -hmm. it it's really tough to uh, be excited about and motivated to learn something like that. So I, I think um, at a certain point when I realized how much you disdained Saxon, we decided we were going to just not do that anymore. <laughs> I don't remember what we moved to. Do you remember what? Um, consumer mathematics. Okay, so we Rebecca. went to consumer math. Okay, yeah, because it was just it just gets to a point where 
you just realize you can't like look at the checklist and work backwards from there. You mm-hmm. have to like, uh, for us at least, I felt like the basics every day were just the, were important, reading, writing, and math. Now, you know, what math that looked like obviously was going to be a little bit different for each kid. But um, I think this is the beauty of homeschooling. Like you've got this flexibility when something is clearly not working, you have the option to switch to something else. We can yes. change our minds anytime. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, you know, so what would have, what do you think would have happened if I would have insisted that you stick with Saxon math? Um, I would not know how to calculate my income tax right now. Which <laughs> I actually do every paycheck. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's so, it's just, it's such an uh, homeschooling is such a great uh, opportunity for us to be flexible. And I think I, I guess my fear is that too many parents, um, homeschooling families are so afraid and fearful that they lose that sense of freedom mm-hmm. that comes with homeschooling. Yeah. Um, when it comes to mainstream education, it's like they test your confidence by, you know, they're like, oh, well, you you aren't good at calculus, you know, you're never going to do this, that, or the other thing. I'm like, well, how are you doing, you know, <laughs> how, how are your finances doing? Right. Can you follow a budget? Can you, <laughs> you know, can you pay your taxes? Do you know what right. you're doing? And most of the time, the answer I hear is, no, I don't. I don't know how to do that. I have to hire an accountant to do that for right. me. And, you know, right. it's like, it, there you go. The proof is in the pudding. Exactly. So what we want to do is prepare our kids for real life. And a lot that happens through living real life together alongside of each other. You saw us go through hard financial times mm-hmm. and you watched what we did to get through that. Yeah. And so the, all of that just happened by absorption. You know, we're modeling it. You're seeing it. And and the, and the thing that's interesting is I think as parents, we we feel like somehow that's not enough, but it really, it's, it's really is the crux of preparing our kids for real life. Yeah. Being that example. So you started to take classes once a week when you were, were you 10 years old at the time? Yes. Okay. And so at that point, we'd not been involved in any kind of, for any length of time, any kind of co-op. I think we did something for a semester years before that, but other than that, just been home. So tell us a little bit, because parents often are thinking about the socialization aspect of it. So now you're 10 and you're going to this these classes once a week. Do you remember what kind of an adjustment that was for you? Um, I remember I, I wanted to be the good kid. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to get in any trouble. I was like really careful about how I behaved because, you know, you I wanted to have a good reputation. Mm-hmm. And the most challenging part was actually the other kids because <laughs> they were really immature. Mm-hmm. They would they would do things and say things that I was like, what? What is the point of that? Why would you like one kid threatened to write my name on the table um, in the classroom? And I was like, oh, no, I was panicking because I'm like, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to be the bad kid. Why are they doing this to me? Oh, my gosh. I felt like so scared because um, I, I wanted to have a good reputation with my teachers. You know, these were right. the first adults that, you know, I was 
around and who are in authority over me without my parents present. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to have a good name. And um, so the, the <laughs> scariest part were the other kids. <laughs> so these kids were like putting that at risk and that was a big yes. deal to you. Oh these gosh. Supposedly my peers and that. Yeah. <laughs> I, these are the people I'm supposed to be learning from. Right. And with. And, and with. Right. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Okay. So what were your biggest challenges during this time? Not just at um, the, you know, at the, the classes every week, but just in general in elementary school. Do you feel like you had a lot of challenges or do you feel like it was pretty predictable? It was pretty predictable, which is what you need at that point. You need that stability. Um, it was just, it was easy and it was fun at that point. I don't remember really feeling challenged until I hit middle school and you have that combination of hormones Right. And, you know, the challenge of continuing to learn and the learning is getting harder, you know. Right, right. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about that transition um, through the middle school years to the high school years, because I've always kind of seen the elementary as up to through sixth grade and then junior high, seventh and eighth grade as being sort of a transitional time into high school, because we would always... um, up the ante when it came to, you know, once you were a freshman in high school, you'd known for a couple of years at least that uh, there was going to be a lot more on your plate school-wise. We'd try mm-hmm. to keep it within reason, but but you were going to be earning credits and meeting someone else's standard in order to yes. get your diploma. So and we, we had that choice at that age, too. We could choose to just get our homeschool diploma or we could choose to get a diploma through the state by meeting all the prerequisites for it. Right. So um, that was a choice. I, I actually chose to get a diploma through the state, and that was, that was a little bit intimidating and hard for me at first because this was the first time that I had to meet, I had to pass standardized tests, and I had right. to meet certain standards of uh, state requirements. So, right, Out. Outside yes. of the family, yeah. And I had to meet with somebody about my schoolwork and about my, um, you know, and, and be accountable to someone besides my parents. So right. that was that was a little intimidating at first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You had a consultant, and I think it was like mm-hmm. a once a month meeting. So you would oh, meet with... Oh, once a semester. <laughs> oh, once a semester. Okay, I was uh, the one who had to meet with her month, once a month. Before. Right, right. So we did progress reports for this particular program, and they were monthly progress reports, and I had always done them. I always did them until they were in high school. Then that was another thing that I handed off to them because I wanted them to own everything that they were doing when it came to high school, and I was there to support there to teach how to do that and transition to that and, um, you know, get resources, you know, I was available, but I really tried to hand it off to the kids. And so um, the thing that was interesting is that every single one of them rose to the occasion and Jenna was no different. And I know that by the time you graduated from high school, you had more than enough credits that you needed um, to graduate. And I think that, I think you were proud of that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I had about twice as many history and um, English credits as I actually needed. <laughs> right, right. And the cool thing was that we could actually uh, intertwine history with language arts. So you could do some writing about the history that you were studying. So um, that's something that we did a lot over the years to kind of reduce the amount of time that you were investing into actual schoolwork so that no, mm-hmm. none of the high schoolers, unless they were really – 
you know, striving for some extras uh, that particular semester, uh, their schoolwork tended uh, to not be more than four hours a day mm-hmm. for book. Yeah. Then there was always the the self-directed piece of it that we tried to make sure was a part of every day as well. And so as you transitioned, um, the other thing we did is in middle school, we gave you the option. We, we said, when you get into high school, science and history is not an option. So yeah. uh, in junior high or middle school, seventh and eighth grade, you have the option of doing a science curriculum or a history curriculum, but you were already like a massive history buff by then. So you just kept doing what you were doing. Did you um, involve any science at that point or were you just sort of dabbling a little bit? Um, we had to dissect something to get that was a, in high school. a lab credit. Yes. Yeah, but I'm talking um, about junior high. Did you? Oh, junior high? No, we, we actually watched like uh, Zoom and Bill Nye the Science Guy and Dragonfly TV, and that was all self-directed, honestly. Right, um, right. And I still passed the state standardized test oh, for yes. uh, science with flying colors. That was hilarious. Tell us about that story. Um, well, we had to take, it was at the time, the WASL or the HSPE. I think it had just become the HSPE, and we didn't have to pass math. Um, what age were you pass, at this point? Oh, I think this was 10th grade. Okay. So I was 16, mm-hmm. um, and I, uh, I opened. I remember opening up the science section, being like, "Wow, I haven't picked up a single science book my entire like homeschool career. I have not." <laughs> and so I opened up the text, and I'm like, "Oh, I know that. I know that. I know that." You know. And so I just kind of flew through the test, and I'm like, "Well, I guess we'll see if I passed or not." I didn't have to pass it, um, but I did. I passed it with flying colors, and my reading and writing scores were like through the roof on that, that particular test. It's just, it's funny to me. It's it's all so um, one size fits all, right? In that system, mm-hmm. but and it's funny because like it was so unconventional the way that we gathered knowledge, right? Right. <laughs> but it still passed. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I can guarantee I had a lot more fun learning that stuff than anybody else taking that test. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. I'm sure that's the case. I, I just remember getting those test results back and we really tried not to put a big emphasis on test results because we really felt like that was such a tiny piece of the picture yeah. and yet to have that happen was really comical and actually somewhat affirming because you know as much as we don't like testing and I do feel like it's it's certainly not even close to being the whole picture there are times that it is helpful um just to kind of get a feel for where you're at it depends how, on how you measure up exactly and and you know it's really tough because it depends on the test too there are some tests yeah. that I have read the questions too and thought this has nothing to do with the kind of education our kids should be getting so that the test is I think this was past your time in high school um, it, you were out of high school by then but I was reading some of the ones that came up afterwards I was livid I read those things and thought what in the world is this 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 isn't even um, I don't even know how to explain. It, they were such irrelevant, strange questions. And they were, I was reading a third graders, uh, third grade level testing, like sample questions. 
And they were asking questions that really require you to be in a place where you can logically think something through all the way to the end. And developmentally, a third grader can't typically do that. Yeah. It would be happy a kid that was 12 or 13 or older that could, yes. you know, do that. And so it made me so angry because what happens is these kids end up taking these tests. They're not developmentally um, appropriate, age appropriate. Mm -hmm. And so these kids walk away feeling like they're stupid yes. because they don't really understand what the question was and they don't really know what the answer was because their brain just simply isn't. They're literally, that, that part of their brain literally hasn't formed yet. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it is so unfair to mm -hmm. do that to kids. And so I, it's gotten worse um, over the years. I felt like some of the tests that you guys took were a little more appropriate, a little more mm -hmm. like, yeah, that's a good thing for them to know, you know, but uh, obviously, yeah. yeah, it was just, it was just kind of crazy. So I'm, I'm, I'm off on my soapbox here. Let's get back on here. <laughs> so unhurried, what did unhurried actually look like for you during the high school years? Now, I mentioned that schoolwork didn't typically take more than three to four hours. Um, so there was always that little bit of margin in the afternoon. What kinds of things did you enjoy doing during that time? Oh, goodness. I, I drew. I read a lot. I read mm -hmm. a lot of books. Um, I went out with my brothers and we shot each other with airsoft guns and dug trenches. There you go. Yes, in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I should have probably been chasing boys, but I, uh, according to, you know, tradition, but right, that right. was nowhere near my priority list. Right. Um, that was really on your radar at that point. <laughs> we had animals that we took care of. And I honestly, I devoted a lot of time to exercise in mm -hmm. high school. Um, because I realized, you know, I was, as I was, you know, under a little bit more pressure, it just helped with any anxiety that I felt. I've always been a highly anxious person. So having an output of energy like that, um, every day is really, really important to me, but I, I learned how to exercise, you know, mm -hmm. um, learned how to run, learned how to breathe when I ran, you know, um, there's a, a lot of time that I devoted to that. Mm -hmm. oh, and that's something that's really benefited you as an adult. Yeah. Yes, very much so. I still pretty much every single day. Mm -hmm. um, you you worked out the day you went into labor with Jazer. We were <laughs> with there. <both> kids. <laughs> so she goes, yeah, both kids. She goes to the gym with my husband, her dad. Um, and I'm just thinking this girl is crazy, but, you know, whatever she needs to do. Right. So she comes back and she's like, you know, uh, I think it was a couple hours later. Uh, you, you said, yeah. you know, I think maybe something's going on. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, you know, I've been timing contractions for about an hour, and they're about three to five minutes apart, lasting around a minute, and there's a snowstorm coming, so I think we're going to go to the hospital. <laughs> right, right, and even then you were like, ah, oh, maybe we should wait a little while. I don't really want to go and have it be a false alarm, and your husband, Sam, is just like, get your bag. <laughs> we're going to wait. <laughs> Because we knew this baby was going to come fast, and he did. <laughs> Holy he <did>. cow. <laughs> how, no, how long active labor? Two and a half hours? Two and a half hours, yeah. Oh, uh, compared to the eight that I was in labor with Abby. With but, the first one, yeah. Yeah. Again, exercising helped so much because I learned learned my body, learned how to breathe, learned, you know, like, it, it's just fostering that connection. 
Yep. And I was there for both labors and you were so tuned in to your body. You know what's going on. It's like you just, you know what you need to do. And that is a huge benefit, you know, as, a, as an adult, as a mom, you know, as we're going into having kids and all of that. It's so important to know what is my body doing right now? Like, you know, when you, your anxiety levels are going up and it's a red flag and you need to do something, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. These are huge things that we don't really give a lot of thought to, yet are really such an uh, important part of, an essential part yeah. of, of our kids' education, you know? And, and Yeah, that is actually a huge thing I see in my own peers, is especially the ones who went to high school. They don't know how to manage their anxiety. Mm-hmm. They don't know their body's signals. They have no, like, connection to their body because they're, they weren't taught to manage their bodies or right. to uh, be a good steward of their own physical, like, fitness and everything. Um, they were, you know, they did sports maybe, but right. they were never actually taught to, like, listen to their bodies because nobody took the time. You know, right. that wasn't important. That wasn't going to help them graduate. Exactly. Um, you're taught all these academics and your brain is so crammed, but you have no concept of how to manage all of that anxiety that's right. being placed upon you. Right. And that is just a recipe for very unstable adults. <laughs> it is. And, you know, really, I mean, isn't when it comes down to it, it's, it's these kinds of things that our kids need to know. Um, mm-hmm. Because I really feel like the other stuff, if, if they can manage this stuff and they learn how to do this and we sort of walk alongside of them and help them find resources and that kind of thing, and they're, and they're pretty much self-directed in their learning, it's, it's like the learning naturally happens and the direction naturally comes as to what it is that they're supposed to be doing. And it can take longer for some than others, but it always happens eventually. And it's just, it's, it's just more of a hands-off approach and, um, you know, a prayerful approach. I mean, you're hands-on when you need to be and hands-off when you need to be. I guess that's the kind of the trick is as a parent, mm-hmm. I'm speaking to the moms who are listening, you know, you just, um, you need to know when to help steer and, you know, when to go right, when to go left and when to take your hands off the wheel. And as they get older, you're actually taking your hands off the wheel more and more and more. But I think what tends to happen is parents tend to actually come down, uh, you know, they tend to start to want to drive the car even more when they're in high school to make sure that they have everything that they need to do what it is they need to do. When the reality is our kids are, if, if, if they're, you know, it, with that right balance, they will mm-hmm. find their own way. They will make they, their they own need, way. They need breathing room exactly. to learn who they are, what their own signals are, without somebody telling them. Right. You know. Exactly. And that's, that can be a difficult line to walk as a parent, but it, it's not impossible. It's just a matter of, you know, prayerfully, you know, considering that particular child and they're all so different and it's just something that you know again it takes our unhurried heart slowing down to listen to the Lord's voice in order to know kind of how to navigate that and none of us are going to do it perfectly I know I did not do it perfectly Um, I've made my share of huge mistakes along the way and fortunately my kids are gracious and forgiving and um, you know it's just a it's a matter of being able to say hey I screwed up here I should have you know let you do what you needed to do and trusted that you would you know, make the right decision, you know, and even if our kids supposedly make the wrong decision, quote unquote, 
there can be such a great lesson learned in that as well. It's okay for our kids to fail. I think we're almost terrified of allowing our kids to fail when the reality is if they've got a growth mindset, failure can be like a huge launching pad for all kinds of growth. Yes. And it's and we have to set that example as a parent too, and that's you know again that that's a huge challenge, but it's not impossible. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you about something that's way less important and very surface, okay? Because I get this mm-hmm. question asked a lot, especially no, I I for some reason <laughs> for the girls. Do you feel like you missed out on anything like prom or you know oh. I don't know some of those. <laughs> I- those other things. So at the time, did you feel like you were missing out? And what is your perspective now? Well, I honestly did not feel like I was missing out. Um, I had other interests aside from, you know, romance and all of that. I think that really comes down to the individual child. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, if they really, really want to go to prom, like really want to, they can go to a local high school prom. <laughs> without having to attend that high school. Um, I did not feel like I missed out at all. Because I, I literally watched this, you know, the girls older than me would go to prom, spend all this money on hair and makeup, and then just sell everything afterwards. They'd sell their prom dress, you know. They broke right. up with that boyfriend. <laughs> it, was just, it was also temporary. It just seemed like a fart in the wind, you know. Right. It didn't... <laughs> It just did not matter. To put it succinctly. (laughs) (laughs) It was, I don't know, like, I didn't even need hindsight to feel like it was kind of silly. You know, it was just kind of one of those. And and then the kids I knew would come back from home and they were like, it was so inappropriate. You know, the way that kids were dancing, it's like a a tutorial on learning how to go clubbing or something like that for for, for kids. Uh You know, and you've got a few adults speckled in there just to make sure nobody gets killed. Right. Um, but it, it was not something I felt like I missed out on. Really. That's great. You know, I think I, you know, I think this is what happens is, is, you know, our kids get raised with real life and they look at those things and they have a, a sense uh, a common sense about them. I remember you used to say common sense isn't so common anymore. <laughs> It still isn't. It's getting rarer and rarer. That's even more true now. But <laughs> yeah, I think our kids just, you know, homeschooling, it just provides this, you know, I, I kind of like to think of it as a hothouse, you know, where you've got your tomato seeds and you plant them and you, you know, you leave them in the hothouse pretty much all the time to start with until they start to grow a little taller, a little taller, a little stronger. Then you start putting them out for little periods of time to be exposed. Um, I, I think that automatically happens. I don't know how intentional you actually have to be about it because it seems like the world has a way of encroaching. Um, but I also think that God uses those things. Um, he allows things to kind of uh, to happen so that our kids learn how to cope with them. So we, we don't want to like protect them forever against those things. I think in the early years, I think being protective is absolutely fine because, again, they're a little seed just trying to get started. But mm-hmm. as they get into the high school years, I think some exposure kind of, like I said, naturally happens. And I just try to step back and watch and see if I felt like it was too much or not, you know, just kind of ask the Lord if it was too much. The other thing was that I would often have conversations with you guys after 
we were around something that I thought you might have possibly seen something, you know, inappropriate or whatever. And mm -hmm. I would often just say, you know, kind of start to ask questions about, you know, what you saw or I just sort of tried to dance around it to see if you actually <laughs> saw the same thing that I saw. I just remember you telling me one time um, when you went to this, uh, these classes that I can't remember how this all worked, but we always prayed before you guys went to these classes every time we mm -hmm. drove into this place. And yeah. I remember one time I heard about a situation that had gone on and several kids had seen something and another mom was telling me about it. And I knew that you were there at the time. <laughs> and Completely it, ignorant, probably. Totally did not see it. And that's <laughs> we prayed for. We prayed that these kids wouldn't see, hear, or experience anything that they shouldn't at this particular, you know, place that they went every week. And for the most part, it was a pretty safe environment. But, you know, there's always things that can happen. And I just wasn't mm -hmm. willing to risk that by not praying. So we had several instances. I remember this one in particular where a mom was telling me all this and I went to you and said, Hey, um, did you see anything weird going on in that situation? You were like, no, I didn't see anything. <laughs> and so I was like, Thank you for taking care of that. And we just yeah. left it at that. But I think it, it was somebody I heard of it. Later that it was like somebody selling something on the playground, like <laughs> grass or something. I don't know. And we don't mean mode. That's grass. what I hear. <laughs> I don't mean the stuff that they say mode. No. Um, I think that's what it was. And I didn't know till years later. I'm like, oh, right. whatever. Yeah. But it was yeah, so I had no clue. Oh my gosh. Okay, so let's talk about this. There was a time that you thought you might want to go to public school. I think this was during high school, and you've told me the story before, but I think the moms would really love to hear it. Oh gosh. Let's see. I, I think it was literally just the sports program. Like, I wanted to run track or something like that. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even necessarily the social aspect because, like, I knew several kids who went to that high school, and I was not impressed. But, because it was just, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it, it, there's a lot of unnecessary drama that went on there. Right, and I remember you telling me that you sort of made this pros and cons list yes. when it came to this, and you, the, the, the cons outweighed the pros by a long Definitely. shot, and that was sort of your decision maker. Mm -hmm. And then again, here we are. You know, you're in high school and you're using complete adult common sense to make your decision about whether or not you want to be involved in this thing, <laughs> <laughs> which just cracks me up. I'm just I'm laughing because I'm thinking, you know, what high schooler actually does that, you know, <laughs> hopefully more and more. <laughs> so maybe they're more Over out there the than I think, but I just thought it was unique <laughs> and unusual and very, very wise. But. So you took drama most of the years that you attended HomeLink. Um, tell me, I think you were the first person in the family to sign up for drama. What made you decide to do that? Um, several of my friends did it, and honestly, it just sounded like fun. Mm -hmm. You know, I was interested in what all went into it, and um, I, I had interests like photography and acting right. and stuff like that. And so I just kind of wanted to see how it was, and then I just made some really good friends and the teacher was amazing and I ended up staying I stayed in drama for what uh, eight eight years all the way through 
all the way through your years. Yep. Yeah. And you were the first of all the kids to do it. And, and which was kind of cool because every one of our kids was somehow involved with drama. If they weren't doing Mm -hmm. the acting part, they were doing the technical aspect. So you sort of like blazed the trail for all of your siblings to have this really great experience, which was awesome. And so what, how did you feel like your overall perspective of that experience is? What, what would you say, like from where you're sitting now, my perspective on, on drama? On just taking that, yeah, on taking that oh, drama class. You know, I, I think we had an unusually good teacher. We did. One thing. Absolutely. Um, she taught, she used it to teach us a lot of life lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those life lessons she didn't even intentionally teach us, which was, hey, middle-aged women go through menopause, and it's kind of crazy. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, just learning things like, I actually learned a lot of the tech stuff, too, and that's something that I've carried into uh, volunteering at my church. Right. That's right. Because your husband, uh, Sam, he he's on the worship team, and so you've gone in and worked on the technical end of things. Um, yes. So this, my, I'd like to point out, like, how interesting this is. There are so many different experiences you had along the way as a homeschooler because you weren't loaded down with book work and you could follow interests and have different experiences, these things have played into your adult life. I just think that really what this comes down to is God knows. He knows where you're going to be. He knows what you're going to need. And he he allows our kids to have these experiences and prepare them for what he has for them. And it's so important for us as parents to be flexible and allow our kids to have some of these different experiences and not be Mm -hmm. so, you know, checklist oriented and bookwork oriented um, because it's things like this that, you know, they just feed right into your adulthood. And again, only God knows what our kids are going to be doing. We don't know. So we can try to. One mistake that a lot of parents make is they look at something that isn't necessarily academics or doesn't like directly relate to education in a way that they think it does or should. And they go, that's not important. Right. Like you have no idea what's important to your kids right now. They are their own person. Exactly. That is exactly right. So um, moms have asked me to ask you, um, how did you answer people who wanted to know what career path you were taking? Knowing that you wanted to be a wife and a mom, mm-hmm. um, how did you how did you answer that? Um, I basically told them that being a mom is about every career you can have combined into one job, minus wasting time and money on schooling. Right, and <laughs> minus the pay. <laughs> yes, and minus the pay, but you know. <laughs> but there's there's another form of payment. <laughs> yeah, ma- macaroni necklace. That's right, um, necklaces and dandelion <laughs> bouquets and just this amazing satisfaction, I think, of being able to nurture absolutely. a life from the very beginning. I mean, who gets to do that? Yes. Like, it's so and I, awesome. I just knew it was my purpose. You know, I knew from a very, very young age. Honestly, I, I can't say that there's any landmark, you know, that I, I knew that that's what I wanted, but really from as far back as I can remember. I wanted babies, you know. Right. And that is not because we said you have to be a wife and a mom. I think a lot of people make that assumption about homeschoolers that, you know, or 
even people who homeschool are like, well, it, it would be bad for my daughter to say that she just wants to be a wife and a mom. It would be, you know, embarrassing or it would not show any kind of initiative or, and it's just like, that is a cultural thing. And I think that we need to recognize that cultural does not equal godly. Cultural certainly does not equal biblical. We have to like set all that aside and ask ourselves, what does God say? He loves motherhood. He loves mothers. He says he gently leads those who are with young. He says children are a blessing. And and it's not, it's not, um, it's not unempowering. No. To be a mom. It is extremely empowering and people miss that until they experience it. Right. And, you know, th- that saying is so true. The hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world, you know. That's right. You're, you're very quietly. <laughs> yes, very it's, it's like a, what do you call it? It's a, a covert operation. <laughs> yes, you have a position of power. You need to not underestimate that. That's and right. here's the thing, like the same culture that is telling you that promiscuity is okay and you should just do whatever you want. The, the same culture that teaches you to be selfish and sinful is the same culture that's telling you that there is no um, importance in motherhood. Right. And how's that working out for them? Right. Not well. Not, Not well, well at all. No, no. And, you know, it's interesting because I think that um, the, the fact, you know, all along the way, we told you girls, Obviously, we we really value motherhood because we believe God values motherhood, and that was evidenced in our home, and that was said out of our mouths. But we also said, if you have something you're passionate about that you want to pursue, um, we'll back you up 100%. If you want to go to college, we'll do whatever it takes to help mm-hmm. you get th- to help you get there. And mm-hmm. so, I, I feel like I hope that we conveyed that you had that freedom. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I did analyze college, like, a lot. I I looked into uh, culinary school, and, you know, I just kind of tried to think about, like, what are the things that I enjoy doing? What is something that I would want to do as a career that wouldn't feel like work, you know, that would right. be something that I enjoy? Um, and overall, I was like, I, I looked at it, and I'm like, okay, it's not worth the money. It's not worth all the time that it would take to me. Like, I just weighed the pros and cons again as a young adult. And I didn't know what direction I was going at that time. Right. I hadn't graduated yet. I'd just broken up with my boyfriend of two years. And I was kind of just like waiting on God for the next step. And I didn't want to wait too long. You know, I I wanted to be active. And, you know, so I looked into going out on missions trips. I looked into Mm -hmm. college. I, Mm -hmm. you know, I was exploring my options at that point. And so I, I really analyzed it. And at that point, even with nothing else in front of me, no prospects, I should say, no romantic prospects in front of me, I was like, I still just want to get married and be a wife and a mom. And I'm just going to trust that God will steer me in the right direction. That's right. And so what was that in-between time like for you between graduating high school and meeting Sam? Now, it wasn't a huge amount of time, but at the time, it kind of feels no, like it. I hadn't graduated yet when I met him. Really? <laughs> really. <laughs> I, I actually remember I had a dream about him a couple uh-huh. of weeks before I saw him for the first time. I didn't see his face in the dream. Right, right. But I remember 
we, we went to this, we were going to this little church that was being held in a elementary school cafeteria every mm-hmm. Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I just remember looking, I knew his family already and I'd hung out with them before. And I remember looking across the room and he was there and we locked eyes and I knew. I was like, mm. I felt God say, this is your husband. Mm. And it was one of those moments where you're like, yep, I've lost it. I'm crazy. <laughs> That's it. I'm gone. I'm done. How am I already insane in high school? Um, but here's the thing. This is one thing that I right. know about you is that you, uh, you learn to hear from the Lord at a pretty early age. I remember that about you. And this is one thing that we hoped and prayed for, for all of our kids above anything else is that they would learn to hear the voice of the Lord. And so I feel like when, when my kids tell me, I, you know, at whatever age I, I feel like the Lord has told me this, we try to just validate it and just say, Hey, you know, we believe you, you know? And so, yeah. um, and it wasn't anything I even told you guys because no, you didn't. honestly, I felt like I was crazy. Like there's right. no way I don't even know this person. Mm-hmm. I've never met him in my life. Right. And it just, it happened. <laughs> yeah, it did. I remember. And it was, it was interesting because that was a church we happened to be going to for a very short amount of time. Like mm-hmm. we weren't there very long, but we now look back and know that, okay, God had us there so that Sam and Jenna could meet. <laughs> that was yeah. the main purpose. <laughs> yeah. um, so that was pretty cool. All right. So now I need to ask, do you plan to homeschool your kids? Absolutely. Even if I didn't plan on homeschooling originally, I would be homeschooling right now. And why is that? Oh, gosh. Just look at the trends. Like, mm-hmm. I I talk to other moms who have kids my age, and I guess I just, I can't help but, like, observe mm-hmm. what's going on mm-hmm. in this culture and with our kids through school. Like, the, the they're trying to force vaccinations. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you want your kids to, that's, that's the carrot is if you want your kids to be able to attend public school, you have to get them vaccinated. I'm like, no, thanks. I'll <laughs> see you later. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I want to, anal- I want to be able to make those decisions as a parent okay. and so many of the decisions in those, in school from the very earliest moment are being made for you. Exactly. And here's the thing. I, I want to pause right here because I'm sure you probably freaked some moms out when you said that you're not vaccinating because <laughs> that is a very no, hot topic no. right now. But I, yeah. I want to emphasize that uh, Sam and Jenna have prayed about this and done their research. So this is not just a, you know, a decision made on a bunch of misinformation. And so I just want to include genetic testing. Exactly. Um, because our family actually has a genetic mutation on both sides that that significantly increases our chances of having a reaction, an adverse reaction um, to vaccinations. And this is a fairly, it's It's not fairly new. It's fairly, yeah, it's just been really found out and they're digging into it more. There's a lot of research to be done, but Mm -hmm. it is something that how much of the population isn't like 40% 40%. 40% of the population has it, and mm-hmm. a lot of people don't even realize it. Um, so this is one of those things that we have to really stop and listen. Lord, what do you have for my kids? I think the important thing is not to make any decisions out of fear, not to vaccinate and, out of fear, and not to not vaccinate out of fear. Yes. And if I find research that changes my mind, 
you can bet I will make that appointment and I will get those kids vaccinated. Absolutely. Yep. We there want is it just best very for our accountability. Kids. Exactly. There is not a right lot now. of accountability. There's not a lot of research done. And there are other things in those shots besides yeah. just the virus. And so I just but, wanted to yeah. stop and explain that a little bit because I didn't want them to go, oh, forget it. I don't want to hear anything else she oh has to gosh. say. You know? <laughs> no, no, no. But it's, this is more you know, than anything, too. It's mm-hmm. I believe in a parent's right. Absolutely. To make decisions for their children, to make decisions that they have, you know, research. And I, you know, the process is painstaking. I really hate when people assume that I make certain decisions because I'm ignorant. Mm -hmm. I have agonized and cried over and prayed over and researched and taken so much flack for the decisions that I've made. But they are so solid in my heart. And I have Mm -hmm. so much peace about those decisions that... I'm not going to go in the other direction. And I think every parent needs that right. You need that right. And you need to take those steps. You know, I just, I feel like um, a lot of us, obviously not you, but we, if we, if we went through the public school system, we tend to have more of a herd mentality. We tend to think, well, we better do that or else. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't want to be a pariah. (laughs) Right. And, and the reality is, we need to think outside the box. And I think that mm-hmm. starts with obviously protecting parental rights, but also taking the time to um, think and pray through what it is God really has for our families. And obviously, if you've made the leap to homeschooling, you've done a big piece of that right there. Yes. You've, you've done it in that scenario and decided, okay, I know I know what I, I've got all the information I need. I prayed about this and you know, none of us makes this decision lightly. None of us says, Uh-oh. Oh yeah, I think, I think I'll just start homeschooling tomorrow. No, we agonize mm-hmm. over it. We pray over it. We ask the Lord for wisdom and direction and, and we do it with fear and trepidation. <laughs> exactly. But you exactly. know, you have to, you know, you, you know, have you have to. to, that's right. You and need to summon the courage. Exactly. Because that's what it's going to take to mm-hmm. be, um, advocates for our kids to protect them to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the lord this is these are all big pieces of that you know obviously we pass our faith on to them but we also show them what does it look like to fiercely defend what god is telling us to do whatever that is you know whether that's you know a a spiritual thing or whether that's a physical thing like Mm -hmm. you know our kids health so um and i did a podcast about this um i think it was a Lies Parents Believe and the Truth That Sets Them Free, and it was a two-part series, and it it, it tackled this because I really think that parents are feeling intimidated, and they're feeling very bullied by the- Encroached upon. Encroached upon, and and it is okay for for you all to stop, to pull back, to pray this through, and to put your boundaries up and and stick to them. This is is not going to get any easier or any better. I believe we're going to be continue to fight this fight, but it's it's a worthwhile fight to yes. to take on. And and so, even if nobody is outright saying to you, "These aren't your kids," these you know you shouldn't be allowed right. to make these decisions. They're going to try and make Absolutely. those decisions for you. Well, they're that, not going to say it to your face. Right. There is a spirit behind that. Um, you know, we've sensed it in the school system. That's why we pulled our kids out. Um, it's 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 also in uh, in the healthcare system. Um, the same kid who can't go see unplanned at the theater because it's rated R, ridiculously rated R, is the same kid that can go get an abortion without mm-hmm. parents' consent. 
Mm-hmm. So this none of this makes sense because it's it is about grabbing the next generation. And parents, you have taken the first huge responsible step in deciding to homeschool your kids. And so don't back down. This mm-hmm. is a, a fight worth it's a war worth waging. You know, we love our kids and we need to we need to defend them. You know, the scripture talks about defending the defenseless. This is part of that. You know, taking that responsibility and fighting for what we believe God is telling us to do with our kids. So last question, what is the biggest word of encouragement you can give to moms who are listening today? Oh, keep fighting for your kids. Keep fighting for their hearts. Um, And please don't think that you are in any way unimportant or less than. Don't think that you are ill-equipped. Your kids have what it takes. You have what it takes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God has this amazing amount of grace that he pours over our lives. And I, you know, when you clearly, I mean, when we start to homeschool, we clearly begin to see, I mean, even as a parent, we begin to see this. But it, when we get into homeschooling, it, it's just further down the road, we we see our, we. it's so easy to look at our inadequacies and to focus on those. Oh, yes. And yet we have strengths. We bring strengths to the table naturally we need to utilize those and use those in ways that will help our kids and stop comparing to each other because i'm not you and you're not me and our kids aren't each other's kids and we weren't called to raise or homeschool anybody else's kids but our own so we uh, take that on and we believe we trust god that he's going to fill in whatever gaps are there and he's he's so faithful and you know being this far down the road and looking back i can see how gracious god was i often felt like i was offering loaves and fishes every day i was like lord i feel like i'm feeding thousands of people today and i've only got this much to give can you take it and make it enough and i watched him do it over and over and over again um and this is this is the beauty of being a christian not just a homeschooler, but a Christian homeschooler mm-hmm. and a Christian parent and a, a follower of Christ. We have all of this right there. God promises he'll provide um, for us and he will not call the qualified. He will qualify the called and he'll give us the grace when we need it. So Amen. <laughs> well, thank you, Jenna, for being here with me. And um, I appreciate you. I'm so, so glad you were here to share your story and encourage other moms and, um, taking the time to do it because I know your baby's going to be awake pretty soon, ready to eat again. <laughs> yes. Milk's coming in. That's right. Well, let's go ahead and pray. Um, Lord, we just thank you so much for this time together. We thank you for your kindness and your goodness to us. Thank you for the testimony that Jenna shared today of the work you've done in her life and um, the way that you have uh, used homeschooling in her life to prepare her for what you have for her, Lord. And I just pray that every mom listening, parent listening, would be encouraged and inspired, Lord, um, by this story and by the Holy Spirit as you whisper your direction to each of our hearts, Lord. We just praise you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.